Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Father, we come together to hear your word preached, worship, and song, and psalms, and spiritual hymns, and songs. But we, Lord God, we, we love your word. And we pray, Lord God, as we continue in this series, that it will touch hearts and change lives. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. This is part three of War Stories. We had Ghost Stories, which is four messages on the Holy Spirit. And then now we're doing four messages on War Stories, which is about spiritual warfare, the reality of the everyday battle that we live in spiritually in our lives. And, um, and this is the third part on that. Um, there was a, a former uh, pro football player named John Nealon. He played for the Dallas Cowboys and for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he said that there's uh, only two kinds of sports. Now, this is a big, burly football player. Please understand that. That there's only two kinds of sports. There's the easy kind of sports that everyone else plays. And then there's contact sports that men over 200 pounds play. So he was a football player. In today's passage that we're going to read, we'll plainly see that the Apostle Paul viewed this war, this spiritual war that we are born into. Remember I shared that with you, that you were born physically uh, into it and then you were born spiritually into it, okay? So you have, even when you're physically born, the devil, our, our enemy, our adversary, Satan, wants to kill babies. Are you aware of that? He wants to physically kill babies. He doesn't want children growing up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So when you're physically born, you, you are born into a spiritual warfare. And then when you are born again into a new birth, in the spiritual new birth, a born-again believer, you enter in also into a, 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 a more intense spiritual warfare because your your enemy is after you at, at all times. We're going to see in today's passage that Paul did view this war as a contact type of war, a contact war, a hand-to-hand combat, if you would. Not, not long-distance war, but an actual war that we fight on a daily basis. Um, that, that this war is not some kind of genteel battle that we've entered into, some kind of exercise class or a country club or a, a stroll in the park. It's a real and serious warfare, spiritual warfare. And we need as Christians every tool, every piece of armor, every weapon so that we can resist the devil and we can win in our everyday battle, all these attacks that the enemy has against us. We'll see today a very famous, famous uh, passage, uh, six pieces of armor that cover uh, uh, the things that, that God believes we will need to win uh, in this uh, war. And, and, and the Apostle Paul speaks about a belt, a breastplate, shoes or sandals, a shield, a helmet, and a sword, and then he covers it all in prayer in Ephesians chapter 6. Now, what these represent are truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God, the Bible, okay? Now, if you'll notice, the first five of these weapons of warfare, these first five, are defensive in nature. They are protecting in nature. They protect you from the attack, from the onslaught of the enemy. So it's kind of a, a hands-up protection type thing. But, but then you have the last one, and then the really two last, uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then prayer, which can be and which are offensive. So you can attack the enemy. They're not just defensive. They're offensive. They're ready. They're available to us, okay? Now, now listen to this. Uh, we, we protect ourselves defensively, okay? But as I shared last week, how many of you in your life are just getting tired of the rope-a-dope? Remember the Ali rope-a-dope? Where you're just in the corner, you're protecting yourself, you're defensive, you're defending yourself, but you're getting tired of all the bruises on your elbows and your forehead and all over your body. You're defending yourself, but you're just getting beat to death. How many of you are tired of that, okay? 
Well, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to kind of go on the offensive here and start chasing the devil away from us, to start saying, Satan, you can't have us, and I'm going to run you out of town, okay? So it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to become offensive, defensive, but also offensive. I shared last week with you three things that will help us in that. First of all, if you remember last week, that we have to stay in a wartime mentality where we're not getting uh, lulled into laziness and sleepiness and relaxing and everything's fine because I have no problems going on. You can't survive like that. That's where the devil wants you. He wants, to, he wants you lulled into a false sense of security, if you would. Okay, secondly, we, we, we went over that, that you, you, you've got to also understand uh, where your help is coming from. Stay in a wartime mentality, but, but uh, uh, realize that your help is coming from God. And then thirdly, we went over strengthening your weakest points, okay? Strengthening your battlefront points that are the weakest in your life. Now, staying in a wartime mentality, think with me just for a second. How many of you in here have studied, or I'm not going to say are old enough to remember, Pearl Harbor, the beginning of World War II? How many of you have studied World War II or, or heard about it and everything else? Did you know that that happened on a Sunday when all of our soldiers were playing based off ball and baseball? They were sleeping in. They were relaxed. They were just at this false sense of security, and everything was fine. And that's when the Japanese hit, okay? We were caught in Pearl Harbor in a sense of false security. We thought that everything was fine and that surely there's no way as powerful and as big as we are. And because of that, we lost. We lost. That was a major, major upset. They almost wiped out our entire battle fleet, our entire Navy at Pearl Harbor. And that's what the devil wants of us. He wants us to be as our military was on that Sunday. I think it's December 7th, right? And he wants us to be that way even during the week, not just on Sunday morning. So he can come in and he can get us by surprise and attack us. But it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to wake up and to arm up and to gear up and to have a wartime mentality and to be ready for the attacks. June and I heard this week, and some of you also may have heard a report on the news uh, about a sheriff in, in Wisconsin. I forgot his name, but this, this sheriff was, was blasted by Mayor Bloomberg in New York City, but he still won his office as sheriff there. And listen to what he said. Listen to what he said, because Mayor Bloomberg is, is, is against gun ownership, okay? And this is what this sheriff said. He said, quote, you can depend, he says, you cannot depend, you can't, you cannot depend on calling 911 to keep you safe anymore. You better arm yourself, protect yourself until we can get there. And, and Bloomberg really came against him for that because he said, hey, this man is telling the people they need to go arm themselves. He also said take safety courses and classes for gun ownership and all that stuff. But the, this sheriff is saying, you better arm yourself because you can't depend on calling 911. He said, you better be able to protect yourself until we get there. Well, church, listen to me. The body of Jesus Christ better arm itself and better know how to protect itself, okay? Because there's nobody that's going to come to your rescue when the devil comes knocking on your door. You better be, a, be armed and ready and say, devil, in the name of Jesus Christ, you better get away from here. Because you're fooling with a son of God or a daughter of God. And this is holy ground. And you better be praying in the spirit. And you better have your sword, the word of God, and be ready to protect yourself. You better not depend on the prayers of your mama and daddy. You better not depend on the prayers of your uncle or your old aunt. Or you better not depend even and say, well, we're going to call Brother Marshall. You better be armed and ready, church, because the war is on. Yeah, you can clap for that because let me tell you something. We have been lulled into a false sense of security. Well, I go to church every Sunday, and I know Brother Marshall's praying for you. You're right, I'm praying for you. Miss June's praying for you. We pray for you every day by name. But let me tell you something. You think that's going to stop the devil? He's coming at you, church. 
And he wants you, and he wants to defeat you. He wants to get you into discouragement. He wants to get you into feeling bad and terrible and into sickness and, and, and all down and everything else. And you better be ready. You better be armed. Just like the sheriff said. I'm acting like the sheriff now. You better not count on calling 911. You better arm yourself. You better know how to protect yourself. And that's what we're going to find out today how to do. We're going to find out how to protect ourselves. Because the apostle Paul gave us instructions through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 or in your high-tech device. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. Now that one y'all should all know. For though I walk in the flesh, I do not war according to the flesh. But my weapons are what? What? They, they, what? Say them again with me. They're mighty in God, right? Let me read it to you word for word. Though we live in the world. This is NIV. We do not wage war according to the world, but we fight with weapons, not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power for demolishing strongholds. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every what? What? Say it again thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 and we're going to talk about these weapons. Though we walk in the world, though we live in the world, we do not war according to the world, but our weapons are mighty in God through Christ Jesus. Our weapons are mighty in God through Christ Jesus. What are our weapons? Ephesians 6 verse 10. The Apostle Paul, listen, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. The full armor of God. Are you catching this? The full armor of God. Not just one part of it, but the whole thing. The full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Just as we just read in Corinthians. It's not against, it's not against flesh and blood. But against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world. Against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, because of all of this, put on the full armor of God. So when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after done everything, to stand. Now listen to verse 14. Listen carefully. Stand firm then with the belt of truth. He's starting to list the weapons. The belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts or flaming darts or arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions and all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Gird your waist with truth. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Roman soldiers wore a tunic. It was kind of like a nightgown. And they had these sandals, okay? And when they would go to fight, they had to do something with that dress type affair that was over their legs so they would take it and they would fold it up into their belt they had a leather belt around here it protected their growing area but they would also take it and they would tuck it into that leather belt okay provided protection but it also gave them mobility now listen to what it says in exodus 12 11 passover instructions god's telling people the instructions for the passover it says, eat in this manner with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and eat in haste. With your loins, there's that belt again. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, be dressed in readiness and have your loins girded. 1 Peter 1.13, therefore gird your mind, gird your mind with action for action. Keep sober. Isaiah 11.5, prophetically describing the character of Jesus the Messiah. Listen to this. Righteousness will be his belt. Righteousness will be his belt. And faithfulness, the sash around his waist. The belt, the belt of truth. What did Jesus say? Listen to me carefully. What did Jesus say? I am what? The way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So 
have your belt ready for battle of truth. The truth of what? One and one is two. Yeah, that's true. Um, we, 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 could, uh, we could all use a little bit more money. Yeah, that's true. It sure is good to be healthy. Yeah, that's true. No, 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 no. He's talking about the truth of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the belt of truth of the character and the person of who Jesus Christ is. And so you gird yourself. How many of you know what a girdle is? Do you all remember what a girdle? When I was growing up, I don't, that's not too popular, ladies. Please forgive me. But in, in, in the 50s and 60s, you had something called a girdle. I don't think women wear those things too much. But, but, but I mean, it was like, my God, why would any lady want to do that to herself? But it was this thing, they, they would just tighten it, would hold them and, 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 and hold their stomach in and part all their parts in and everything else. Well, see, the Apostle Paul is saying, girdle yourself. Same word, gird. Girdle yourself with truth. But the truth of Jesus Christ and the character of Jesus Christ. And he's saying the truth and character of Jesus Christ is something that will keep you in the midst of spiritual battle. Now, here's the basis of this whole statement. If you were wearing a girdle today, one of those bands, a waistband, I wear them to work uh, to help my back. And if you were wearing that today, okay, how much of Jesus Christ would be under yours? How much of Jesus Christ would be in yours so that when the enemy comes, he would say, hold on. He's got some stuff tucked underneath that belt over there. What's going on here? How much truth of Jesus Christ, okay? So you've got that, you've got that belt of truth, okay? Now, my little, my little device here is messing up on me, so I'm going to have to go to paper, paper town. I, I want Brother Daniel to come out here, if he would, Brother Daniel. Brother Daniel, oh, don't be frightened now. Don't be afraid. We're not some kind of cuckoo church. Y'all know Brother Daniel. He was 12 years in the military, a sergeant in the U.S. Army for 12 years. A sergeant served two tours in Afghanistan. Okay, so you, don't worry. No one's going to turn loose on you here. Yeah, you can applaud for him. All right. Now, I, I want Brother Daniel, if you would, to lift this black jacket just a little bit and show them what you got around your waist brother show them now, now, now turn around so that they can see you see all these little things right here all these little things that pull out and all this kind of stuff right here and there's pouches and all kinds of stuff right here you see that now, now, now turn around and lift up the flight jacket a little bit more do you think that's there and look how wide you saw how wide it is in the back look, look how wide this is in the back doesn't that look like one of those back support belts doesn't it Really? Well, guess what? That's what it is. You see, he is a soldier. And he is girded with part of his armor. He'll have ammunition in here. You would have a dagger. A, 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 you would have a knife, correct? Mm -hmm. He would have different things girded on that belt. See, see up here? Look, it's even up here. Look how big this is. Check it out. And he could put ammunition. He would have a knife in there. He would probably have his pistol hanging from there. Okay, when the enemy comes at you, don't you want to have one of those that is the truth of Jesus Christ? And he sees the truth of Jesus all around you where you have a whole bunch of the truth of who Jesus Christ is in you. Correct? Correct? Don't, don't y'all like that idea? It, it, isn't that cool? I mean, it, Paul, you see, here's the thing. The belt of truth and, and, and the Apostle Paul, what, what was really, really cool is that the Apostle Paul, listen to this, church, was chained to Roman soldiers when he wrote the whole book of Romans. He was chained. They said it was an 8 to 10 foot chain, four-hour shifts with 100 of the elite young future leaders of Rome when he was under house arrest for four hours. Can you imagine that, being chained to the Apostle Paul four hours at a time? They probably didn't want to give their shift up. They probably say, Kirk, can I have your next shift? 
please give me your, your next shift. So Paul knew and was very familiar with the Roman armor, okay? Secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. Now, now listen to this. Roman soldiers had a very thick uh, breastplate that they wore. It was either leather it was heavy linen, and then later they started pounding them, hand-making them out of metal, out of bronze. And it looked like one of these, one of these breastplate things. Y'all have seen them like, like they wear, okay? Now, in, in Romans 4, 6, and 11, it says that the righteousness, this is, Paul says, the breastplate of righteousness. In Romans 4, 6, Paul understood it very, very well that this breastplate of righteousness was not our righteousness, but it was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that is imputed. That word means put on your account. So it was Jesus' righteousness that was put on your account. You know, like you have a, in the old days, you go to the store and say, just put that on my account. Y'all remember that? Now it's more just like credit cards. But it used to, and they had a little tablet with your name on it, and they put it on there. Well, it's the righteousness of God imputed to your account, okay? And so this righteousness of God protected on this breastplate of righteousness protected the gut area and the heart area. And Paul understood the importance of the righteousness of God protecting our hearts and protecting. They believed that the center of all your activity was in your gut area, that that was the center of man at that time, okay? Now, Brother Daniel is wearing what is called, what is this called, Brother? Body armor. Body armor, uh, flag jacket, uh, bulletproof vest, but this is an actual military one. This one right here, you could take... How many of you in here own guns? Go ahead. Be honest. I own a bunch of them. You could take your pistol, even a 45, 40 caliber, 30, 38, whatever you want. And he's going, please don't do that because they probably break a rib. But you can shoot right here. And guess what? The bullet isn't going through. It's not going to go through. I was amazed this morning when I picked this thing up how heavy it is. What is in there, man? Is it full? Plates. There are plates in there. So this is keeping bullets or shrapnel or things from coming in and getting into his body, to his heart, to kill him. Now, this will be up here if y'all want to come feel this after the service. This is heavy and try it on. It's unbelievable. I can't imagine you running around all day with that thing, brother. No wonder you're in such good shape. It's unbelievable. Man, and look, it even protects here. And look at this. I don't know what this is. What's this strap for back here? You can add more stuff to it, but it protects all the back area, the kidney area, and, and everything else. So all of your vital organs here are protected. Are y'all catching this? And the Apostle Paul said that we need this breastplate of righteousness, okay? The righteousness of Jesus Christ, all right? Now, remember this, church, that your salvation is based totally and completely on God's imputed righteousness you cannot be righteous in yourself that's called self-righteousness and it'll get you in trouble it'll let you down and you will end up in the gutter okay now now our enemy the devil usually always attacks here first okay right he attacks here first because he wants to get to your heart okay people try to live holy lives they're let down they they can't do that and so the devil comes in and he tries to attack here all right he tries to get us here because he knows that if he can get us into self-righteousness that we will fall okay and this is this pretty cool apparatus right here remember that the what breastplate of whose righteousness his righteousness, not ours. Now, here's your question. How does this apply to us? Are you exhibiting any of the righteousness of Jesus Christ in your life? Is there anything there that the devil would come in and say, hold on here, we better get away from here because he's got his armor on and I see the righteousness of Jesus Christ all over that guy or all over that girl, right? So, see, there's our question. Do we put this on every day? Do we put the righteousness of Jesus Christ on every day and say, hold on here. 
I am I'm going to exhibit the righteousness, the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ in my life. Okay? Well, how does that happen? It happens by the choices you make. It happens by standing in right standing by the way you live and the way you speak and the way you think. Okay? Is that Christ-like or is it not? Thank you, Brother Daniel. He's going he's gonna to continue. If you can leave it on if you want to. Just, just Okay, thirdly, Paul talks about our feet shod with the gospel of peace. Okay, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Okay, now, here, here's, what's, here's what's really something. Could you hold those boots up or, or maybe stand up there where they could see them? Now, now if, if you notice right here, okay, the, the feet with the gospel of peace. Let me show you all my little shoes here. If you were going to go into battle, those things, and I've actually seen them, they are really cool. I wish I had a pair of them. You see these little things right here? You, you see my, my ankles, how I could twist them real easy? You see this? And you see how there's not a whole bunch of support? They're okay. I love them and, and, and everything else. But look at, look at Brother Daniel's. Look how high up and look how laced they are. See, Roman sandals were the same way. And, look, and show them the bottom of them, how they're prepared. Uh, kind of lift your, your shoes. You see how that's prepared for a particular, see the traction and everything else right here? Isn't that cool? These things are very expensive. I don't know if we can even buy them. I think you have to be in the military to get them. But is that nice or what? Okay. And, and the Apostle Paul says, hey, we need that on our feet because we're going to have to have the gospel of peace so that we can go forth and not get bruised and cut and battered all over with the gospel of peace. How many of you in here know that you're saved? Ra raise your hand. Be, be honest. You know that you're saved. It's not like, well, I think I'm going to heaven. I, I, I think I, I think I'm going to go to heaven. I, I think that. I think that. What, what is that saved stuff anyway, Pastor? I think, well, let me tell you something. If you saved, you know you saved. Come on. How many of you in here are saved and know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I mean, I'm not looking at you. Just, just, just raise your hand. Let me read something to you here that goes along with these shoes, with these boots about the gospel of peace. Listen to this how carefully. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved? There's that word again, saved from God's wrath. Not some kind of lightning bolt coming down, but God's righteous judgment through him. For if we were God's enemies, we were reconciled, brought into peace to him through the death of his son. How much more shall we be reconciled and shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The gospel of peace is also a two-way thing. The gospel of peace is not only knowing the gospel of peace, but it is also receiving the gospel of peace in your life so that you have that peace, that knowing that you have salvation in your life. And when the enemy comes at you, you can say to him, I am a saved child of God. I am a, we just read it, blood-bought child of God. You see, when you start talking about the blood of Jesus Christ, the enemy shudders and wants to run. He wants to head for the hills. I'm a blood-bought, redeemed child of God. And my feet are shod. My feet, you know, like a horse is shod with horseshoes. My feet have on them the gospel of peace. And the gospel of peace lives in me, and I also share it with other people. You see, that frightens your enemy in your spiritual war. I love those boots. And those boots, I'm sure, if that's your originals, they've seen a lot of mileage. Huh, my brother? You, you, you've, done a, you've done a lot of stuff with there, okay? Now, how many of you have walked and bruised the bottom of your feet? Yeah. 
Does that hurt? Does that feel good? No. How many of you cut your feet, your toes, or whatever? Okay. See, that's what the devil wants you to do. He doesn't want you shod with the gospel of, of peace and the blood of Jesus Christ. He wants you just kind of walking along and stepping on rocks and bruising yourself and stepping on glass and cutting yourself. He wants your feet hurting you. I, rem- I was sharing with his son this last week, but when I was working on the railroad, uh, I had a, a friend named Glenn Alvarado, and, and uh, we used to, we used to love, we, we all came up and we were pretty rough characters, and so we would, we would, we would spar at, at, at work, and, and I, would, I would always kid and joke, and I'd say, pick a hand, I'll put one hand behind my back, whichever one you want, and I'll fight, and I was picking on Glenn, and Glenn was standing right here like this, and he wore cowboy boots all the time, and I mean those big, you know, real cowboy boots, and so, man, and I'm sparring with him, everything else. And he goes and he just kicks me with the heel of that cowboy boot while I'm acting the fool. And I think he broke my big toe. <laughs> I mean, I was sparring on the floor. Let me tell you something. But if I had been wearing steel toe boots, he'd have been in trouble because then I'd have been all over him. You see? We need to be shod. We need to have our feet protected so the enemy can't bruise us there and say, oh, you don't know. No, nah, you, you're not saved. That's all a joke. Has the enemy ever told you that? Sure. This isn't real. This is just religion. They're doing this for their own. You've got to do. No, come on, church. You've got to settle that first. The gospel of peace, and it brings peace in your heart. Okay. Now, next one Paul talks about is the shield of faith, okay? The shield of faith, he says, that will extinguish all the flaming darts or arrows of the evil one, okay? In that day, they had a big shield that was made of skins, and it was sometimes, it was wood-ribbed with, with skins that had been tanned and had a special coating on them, and, and they were, they were he's gonna, there's his shield of faith right there, okay? And, and they had a shield in front of them so that the enemy would bring arrows at them. Have you all ever seen one of these pictures of where they're attacking the wall of a city? You know, these Viking-type shows. And all these arrows come down off the wall, raining down arrows. Have you all seen that? I mean, hundreds, maybe thousands of arrows. Look like a cloud of blackbirds coming down upon you. These are these arrows. And they would put them in tar, and they would set them on fire. So you had these flaming arrows coming at you. And that's what the devil does with us. He shoots these flaming arrows at us. Fiery darts is what scripture calls it, okay? And when you have your shield, when you have your cover of faith in Jesus Christ, those darts can't get to you. They bounce off even one ounce of faith the faith of a mustard seed have you seen a mustard seed and Jesus said if you have that much faith that much faith the faith one little speck of faith and that faith is represented right here in this knapsack in this in this guardian that's filled with protection you can shoot all you want to and you're not going to get to brother Daniel that's his shield of faith okay where do we normally put our faith where what do we normally use as our shield of faith come on it's honest time today we put our faith normally in our jobs our bank accounts how we feel today the way things are okay even now in our country we we put our faith in other people And we know that they'll protect us. We put our faith in our government. We put our faith in all kinds of things. I see some heads shaking. We put our faith in all kinds of things. But what Paul is talking about here in the shield of faith is our faith in Jesus Christ. Because you see, all of those other things I've mentioned will let you down. Every one of them will fall short in your life. Look at me, church. Look at me. Man will let you down. Come on. Man will let you down. They'll let you down. Whatever layer you want to talk about, they'll let you down. 
but Jesus will never let you down. How do you describe faith? What is this thing, this thing of faith? There was a missionary named John Patton, and he tells a story about when he was in a, he, he had gone to bring the gospel to an island in the South Seas, and, and, and he, in their language, he was translating the Bible, and in their language, there was no word for truth or, or for, for trust or for faith. And he said, how can I translate faith? What will I be able to do? And one day, uh, one of the, one of the uh, uh, people, one of the people from that island came running into his house, and he had a big lounge chair, and he threw himself down on the lounge chair, and he flopped himself on the chair, and he looked at, at, at Brother John Patton, and he said, Oh, he said, it's so good to rest my whole weight on this chair. To rest my whole weight on this chair. And it clicked. And he said, that's it. I will translate faith as resting your whole weight on God. Now, now, now here it is. That's the kind of faith that protects you from the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, let me tell you what fiery darts are. How many of y'all have all kind of little tracas in your life all the time? That's, that's my French coming out. Brother Wayne's looking at me like, what's he talking about? That means little nuisances, little annoyances. How many of you have these little attacks, these little tracas all the time in your life? Raise your hand, right? It's like they're never ending. They don't stop. You always end up with some kind. You get a little call. You get a little letter in the mail. You get something. Something's hurting you. Someone's calling. Oh, I can't believe she's doing that. I can't believe they're doing that. That's little fiery darts, okay? That's little arrows coming at you from the devil, okay? Now, faith, faith, a shield of faith will protect you. Fourthly, the helmet of salvation. Brother Daniel, if you put that helmet on. By the way, this thing right here, if, 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 can, I, can I see it just for a second? Just to let you know, the helmet of salvation. Let, 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 me, let me tell you all something. These aren't toys. You've you got to come check this stuff out. You know, you watch a lot of TV and you watch what's going on overseas in Afghanistan. This is the real deal right here. And let me tell you something. I could drop this on that cement, probably break the cement, Okay. This, this is serious. Now, if, if he'll put that on, yeah, if he'll put that helmet of salvation, okay? Now, in the Roman days, they were usually leather with strips of metal inside of them, and it would protect, it would protect them. See, that's protecting all of his head right here. Now, now, now why is Paul talking about this? Why, why is he talking about, about, about a, a helmet of, of, of faith? Y'all want to come maybe do that without the helmet? See your head? This is serious. I mean, you get the picture right here, brother. These guys. Now, Brother Daniel, when you were in Afghanistan and y'all were going out in whatever they called it into the areas, of course, anywhere you could have been bombed or missiled or shot or whatever, but you going out there and you going on patrol or something, would you have gone on patrol without this on your head? Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, y'all see his face? I didn't tell him to do that. That's. Would you have gone out there without this? <clears throat> snipers would get me. Or this? Snipers would get you. They knew they couldn't shoot through here. But look, right here. The, the, that's the helmet. Paul is talking about the helmet to protect your head. Okay? Now, what, why is that, guys? We just read it. What's underneath this helmet? Besides some nice-looking hair. What's, what's under there? He just said it. Y'all tell me. Your mind. So that you can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Probably the biggest frontal area that we need to protect that will be attacked from the devil is our mind, church. The devil wants to discourage you. He wants to depress you. He wants you to think, to think that there is no hope and no help. He wants you to think that it will always be that way because that's always the way it was. He wants your mind, the battlefield of the mind. Joyce Myers has a wonderful book called The Battlefield of the Mind. He wants your head unprotected so he can come in and whisper into your mind 
you're no good, you'll never make it. They're all like the rest. They're going to deceive you. You're going to be this and, er and everything else, okay? Every thought captive. He wants to discourage you. He wants doubt to enter into your mind. I don't know about that Bible. I don't know if that's, oh, you know, that's all, all a bunch of doubt, okay? He wants your mind, okay? Doubting the salvation, doubting your church, doubting your pastor, doubting your dreams, doubting your prayers. I have a good friend, Dudley B. Avenue, who's a professional counselor here in town. Now, listen, I want you all to leave with a nugget today. Please hear this. He taught me this years ago. It's a wonderful, wonderful, powerful counseling tool. If you have paper, take it down. Take notes on this, okay? And if you want, you can come get them from up here. Listen to what he taught me. He said, you have thoughts. You have thoughts. Your thoughts are not you. And your thoughts can only harm you if you let them. Brother Paul's already repeating it. You must already know it. Let me say it again. You have thoughts. Your thoughts are not you. And your thoughts can only harm you if you let them. And that's what the devil wants. He wants your thoughts harming you. How many of you saw this week that we lost probably one of the sharpest minds and one of the greatest comedians we've ever had in, in our nation, Robin Williams? You heard that Robin Williams passed away this week? Raise your hand if you heard about it. Yeah, look at the hands. Everyone in here heard about Robin Williams. Okay? This poor man was so depressed and so down that he reached the point that he was hopeless. And his thoughts, his thoughts took control. And that's where Satan, our enemy, wants us. Right at the same place that this poor man was. Fifthly, Paul talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, we have two forms of it right here. We have an actual sword. This is actually a military sword. Check this out. Is that cool? Thank God it's not sharp. Okay. Is that cool? The sword of the Spirit. Okay. For an, this, was, this was more of what the Roman soldiers had. I don't think it would have this on it. This is like cavalry for the army. And their sword was sharp. But in today's army, this is a sword. You see this? This is an AR-15. There's no bullets. There's no clip. These bullets right here that I'm going to show you in a second, I'm going to use them. Oh, don't even go in the chamber. Don't worry. They can't go in here. We have a, we have a, a sergeant and we have an ex-policeman law enforcement officer and we have another law enforcement officer right here you're safe don't worry okay but this is the sword of a soldier today have y'all ever seen an M16 it looks just like that that's what an M16 looks like it's an AR-15 it's just a single shot huh y'all want to hear something y'all want to see something cool y'all want to see a sergeant in action watch this you say man I saw something at church I never thought I would see watch this He's at parade rest right there. Now watch this. Present arms. Is, is that cool? Look at him. Look at him. It's very serious. This is. I forgot what the next command was. Port arms. Inspection arms. Now, I don't know what I'm looking at here. I'm supposed to look at something. So I'm going to act like I'm looking at something here, okay? I'm not going to look in the barrel, that's for sure, okay? And then I hand it back to him. I know that. They check your weapon like this in the military. Your leader, your weapon's always got to be ready. Just 
just like we have the word, it has to be readily accessible. Inspection arms, your leader would come by and he would check the weapon. That's how you would prepare it for inspection. He would grab it, he would look at it, make sure it was clean, hand it back to you. Let's have it. Good. Make sure it was secure. Weapon back on safe. Back to the captain. Uh, did you notice what he said? Clean and ready? Okay, how many of you have the word of God that you could take and you could take the word of God like that and use it that well? You see, how many of you have some of these bullets right here? How many of you have, how many of not just you, all of us have your sword, which is the word of God? How many of you have your M16 that is ready and when things start coming at you, you can start saying, you see this? This is the word of God. Hold, hold up that rifle. Hold, hold it up, up, up in the air. You see this? The word of God. And devil, this is what you're fooling with. You're fooling with God's word. And God's word says... How many of you have some word to say? Some kind of word to say. You don't even have to know the exact scripture. You could say it says in his word that we are more than conquerors. Now that's in Romans 8. But we are more than conquerors. And he who lives in me is stronger than he who lives in the world. And that I have authority over all of your power. Because his power is more powerful than yours, devil. And get thee behind me. Come on, guys. This is real. You see, if you can't do that, that's when my phone starts ringing. Ah. Brother Marshall, we read everything else. <laughs> Sometimes I want to say, do you ever read your Bible? <laughs> Where's the word? Come on now. Where's the word? And, when, and what do June and I always do, and Brother Kirk and Miss Crystal do? We always bring them back to their weapon, the word of God. The sheriff said, you better learn how to use your weapon. You better learn how to clean your weapon and how to field your weapon because you can't depend on us all the time. You can't call on You better learn how to protect yourself until we get there. Okay? That's the word of God. All right? And he says to use that word. It's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Now, listen, we're going to go over one more of them. We've got the shield of faith. We've got the helmet of salvation. We've got the word of God. Now, let me talk to you all about prayer that he covers it with. You see these bullets? These are seven-millimeter bullets. They're very, very big. You see, have you all ever seen these? A lot of people looking at me like a cow at a new gate. They've never seen big bullets like this. Okay? When you pray, when you pray, what you're doing is this. When you pray, you're combining all of these things together. There's nothing in here now, guys. Okay? This is empty. Don't be frightened. But when you pray, what you're doing is this. You're loading your weapon, and you're shooting every time. Huh, Brother Chris? Every time you pray, you're shooting at the enemy. You're putting him on the defense. You're going on the offense. And then you have victory in your life. Why are we defeated spiritually? Why are we defeated spiritually? Let, let me explain to y'all why we're defeated spiritually. Three things. Three things. And y'all listen carefully. Some people don't have any sense of danger of the war that we're in. They're just kind of bumbling along like a big old sheepdog until they run into a wall. Some people know we're at war, but they never prepare themselves. They say, well, Brother Daniel, we just send you to Afghanistan twice, and we'll never train you on how to use this, and we'll never. They never prepare themselves. They don't learn any scripture. They don't pray. 
They don't come into the fellowship, into church, where they can be equipped and have support and have accountability. They just aren't prepared. And then some people have all of this, and they never use them. They never use their weapons. They never use them. June told me this week something happened, and she said, Marshall, don't you see what you need to do? I'm preaching on it. Don't you think it's time that you start binding and saying, I have authority over you, devil, in the name of Jesus? Luke 10, 19. Why is it? It's in his car. I should have brought it down. Brother Daniel brought a BB gun. Why is it that we use a BB gun instead of an M16? Why do we do that? Do you know that right after Pearl Harbor that I just talked about, completely lulled into a false sense of security, our troops were sleeping late, they were playing baseball, they were picnicking, they were just having a good old Sunday rest. fiery darts of the Japanese nation came in and defeated us. Now listen, church. One of the Japanese generals is quoted, and this, he, this is a quote. This is what he said. Listen. I fear we have awakened a sleeping giant. You ever heard that quote? I fear we have awakened a sleeping giant. Why does the church of Jesus Christ walk around so small? Why do we as Christians with everything at our disposal, every one of these spiritual weapons, and we walk around defeated. 